He's out there operating without any decent restraint, totally beyond the pale of any acceptable human conduct. CBR Street Gang, this is Standing by, over. Charging a Maryland murder in this place was like handing out speeding tickets at the Indy 500. Welcome to another edition of Speaking Out America. I am your host, JR. It's good to be here. A lot of interesting topics. We'll be talking about the border. We'll be talking about America's integrity. Also want to talk about the history of transgenderism and to a certain extent, even the cause of today's cultural depraved movement towards all things trans. It's, it's actually quite amazing. We have a lot to cover. I want to thank you. Don't forget our website uh, streams this show. We also offer the podcast in case you miss it. And we are heard Monday through Friday right here on CRNTalk.com. And the folks at Cable Radio Network, of course, they're a great lineup of, of terrific hosts. And I feel honored and fortunate to be a part of the daily lineup here Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. on CRN Talk. And you can listen to the show and you can stream it on pretty much every device that you can think of. So let's turn our attention to something that I caught on television this morning. They were having congressional hearings about the state of our border. And this man, Congressman Green, spoke and he basically said what everybody's been wondering for the last, you know, two years. What the hell has happened to our border? Take a listen. All right. We'll take you now to this border hearing underway. This has to do with the president, Biden, and his administration's handling of the ongoing crisis. Let's listen in. And if you're coming from China, $30,000 if you're coming from Iran. 10 to 15,000 if you're coming from Central America. And then they flood those people in mass waves, just like we saw in El Paso this week, compelling the Border Patrol to focus its resources at the points of entry, ports of entry. To use a military term, the cartels are neutralizing Customs and Border Patrol by forcing them to thin the lines in the rural areas, then the fentanyl and the nefarious individuals they're, they're trafficking into the United States come across in the rural areas. Let's look at this El Paso mass wave that attempted to come across. It required a massive response from Customs and Border Patrol, concentrating our forces in their diversionary attack. I can only imagine what they snuck around the ports of entry while those agents were blocking the mass waves of people. You should go check out what the Twitter feed actually said or what the social media post actually said. It was from the cartels. In one sector on our border, that is 30 miles long, normally 200 agents patrol that area. It's down to seven men and women pulling three shifts a day to cover 30 miles. Why? Because the agents are moved to other parts of the border where their mass waves are coming. Look at Yuma, great example. And the video cameras placed by ranchers on the border show the cartel members in camouflage outfits wearing carpet shoes and backpacks full of fentanyl pouring into our country. How do you think people who live in Yuma, Arizona, feel about this? Do you think that maybe they feel the same way as, as the people in East Palestine, Ohio, feel? Uh, without cover, without protection, without their government doing what they're actually supposed to do, which is protecting the integrity of our border? How do you think the rest of the world, do you think that they think of us as being virtuous? Lack of of an integral border I think sends a message that Americans are not compassionate but stupid we're stupid the left however that small minority of do-gooders who act like children and actually think like children 
think that unfettered immigration is morally good. There's no other reason why Biden would be listening to the left. There'd be no other reason why Rashida Tlaib and AOC and Ilan Omar are pressuring him, trying to convince him that this is what America wants. This is what a compassionate America looks like, allowing people in like they do over with the migrations going on in Europe. And we see the effect that that's having in those countries. It's tearing them apart. Do you think the average English person likes the fact that they're on the decline in their own country and that there are more children uh, being born from immigrants than there are natives to the actual island of England? I mean, it's just, in Germany, there are no, uh, not even just in Germany, but Sweden, Finland, Norway, Belgium, France, all these compassionate countries now have no-go zones where the police don't even go into these neighborhoods that are overfilled with the onslaught of immigrants from Syria, from Iraq, from all points south, mostly from the, the Mesopotamian countries, misfits, people who couldn't make it there because there are no opportunities, and so they go where they go. They go where the jobs are. And this is how they want things to happen here. And this is what's happening at our border. Let's listen some more. And those folks aren't counted in the numbers. So why six million people now? Why 100,000 dead Americans to drugs like fentanyl? Why massive crime on our border cities and now throughout all cities of this country? Why is every city and every state made into a border state? Because of the decisions, because of the incompetence, and because of the dishonesty of the Department of Homeland Secretary, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. We're here to show the American people why. We're here to find solutions to this problem, despite a president who laughed when talking about a mother who lost two children to fentanyl. To a secretary of DHS who seems to be okay with one sector alone, 25 to 30 Chinese nationals being released into the country with verified connections to the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese Army. That's happening. You'd think with the situation so dire that the Democrats would at least show up for the committee hearing. It's tragic that they aren't. That's the political stunt. Mr. Green's right, and that you will not see on TV tonight, nor will you see it anywhere else. Maybe, oh, you'll see it on Newsmax. You won't see it on, well, you might see it on Fox. You might see it on Tucker or maybe Laura Ingram's show, but you won't see it on Red Bear, or you might. Uh, it's the only place. It, it, you won't read about it, all of the things that are going on at our border. I talk to people all the time who are down there living it. They're actually living in this place. And, you know, it's people like Rashida Tlaib and AOC and Ilan Omar. You know, the road to hell is really literally paved with good intentions. These people feel guilty because they, they actually live here and they understand just how great this country is. And they want everybody to come here and enjoy it. And they want a disorderly approach. And, and in, in doing so, and uh, relieving their own guilt to let everyone in, to appease their guilt, or to get a few more votes and perhaps make, uh, make a few more million people in America who are now sucking on the breast of the U.S. Democratic Party, they don't care that there's fentanyl being come in, coming in, uh, there's human pr prostitution. You know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the term human trafficking. I actually think it, it, it marginalizes prostitution. 
We used to call them hookers. I guess they don't call them hookers anymore and, and pimps. Now it's just human trafficking. People arrested for human trafficking. Uh, in our day, what was it? We arrested some, some pimps, some, some johns, and some hookers. They were prostitutes. That's what they were called. You know, what they? what was the word that they used to use uh, in the old days, in Rome, Roman times? There was a word that they had. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. But, but it was very common. Human trafficking was almost a career path. Anyway, and not that I'm condoning it, but what I, my point is is that that's, that's something that's been going on for a long time. And just having a border with no integrity allows it to happen here in, in greater numbers. Because you know what? There are a lot of people in this country that are morally depraved. And uh, you see it in film. You see it in our classrooms. Young children are being exposed. And we're going to get into a little bit of that uh, on, the, on the program today. Uh, how it went from gay rights to let's turn our kids into sexual gender fluid people we can play with. And even our president is endorsing this. Can you believe this? But the emotion of the Border Patrol agent, I think, captures the essence of the problem because it's falling on deaf ears. There simply is not the coverage. And when it is covered, the news media makes it look as if it's a good thing that people are coming in in mass, that there is mass migration. And again, this is part of that sickness that they have, that they feel that it's almost a kind of a reverse form of Stockholm syndrome. You know, they want to have other people come into their country who are rightfully looking for a better way of life. I don't blame them. But their method is, is madness because they're promoting this. And so this creates a rush on the border. And this increases human trafficking. Now, the drug thing is a different issue because the fact that the matter is, is people don't want to admit this, but we are a nation that is addicted to drugs. And they come in so many different forms. Just about every adult I know is on an antidepressant or some kind of a pain killer. And this is what our big pharma has produced. You know, if you ever have an opportunity to see the uh, Citizens for Human Rights Museum on the history of uh, pharmacology and big pharma and psychiatry, uh, go to their museum. It's open to the public, and, um, and, and it is on sunset between Highland and Coenga. And if you're going east, it's on the right side. You can't miss it. CCCR, I think is what it's called. Anyway, uh, and what they do is they show you a, a timetable of when psychiatry was first introduced into America or the world, starting around the 19th, beginning of the 19th century. Uh, Carl Jung and Sigmund Zyg uh, Freud were basically pioneers in this new field, trying to explain, really, how the human psyche worked. And one thing they came to the conclusion of is that there's a pill for everything. Truly, there's a pill for everything. And everybody, and this is the common view from psychiatry, everybody is suffering from something. And all we need to do is figure out the chemical imbalance and try to correct that behavior. That's how they view us. And that's why we have a nation of drug addicts. Good job. We'll be back in just a moment. Speaking out, America, I'm JR.
Don't forget our website, speakingoutamerica.com. And uh, there's a live audio stream button. And check it out sometime. Uh, I consider it, it's just a, a potpourri of different things like newscasts uh, and special soundtracks and music and all that. Uh, but it's never a dull moment. And, and then, of course, we'll play these, these podcasts so that you don't miss a second of Speaking Out America which is also on our CRN Talk Network, 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific time, Monday through Friday. And uh, we are here to dispel the lies. I mean, this is what the show's about. It's about free speech, liberty, uh, and remember the Alamo and, and all that. You know, I mean, we have to really, this is the time. These are, we've been called to these times. You know, the great American experiment is now experimenting with a whole new way of living. And there's a whole new set of values that have suddenly come out of nowhere, it seems like. Um, you know, I'm like you. I'm a drive-by observer of, of the human condition. And what I see right now is a trend. I don't think it'll last. I, I think it, at some point, sanity will take hold and people will realize just how idiotic they've been in, in, in on the subject of transsexuality. It's just, it's, it's a strange beast, isn't it? Uh, you know, I, I'm always tempted to ask people, why do you, why do you think it's okay for a person to be able to choose their identity? And then we all have to go along with it. Or like, for example, I've had this happen where you go into a store or a Circle K or a 7-Eleven and the counter person is clearly male, but he is wearing a dress and he has a full-on beard, or it's the exact opposite. I, I once saw a trans black man who was transitioning to a woman, but it was clear, it was obvious that this person was a man. I mean, our eyes do not deceive us. You know, but there there is a group of people out there, and this is the argument. Why not let people be who they are? Uh, in fact, I'm going to play this, this clip from Drew Barrymore, which has gone viral. Uh, she is talking with Dylan Mulvaney, who I know little about. I have no knowledge of Dylan Mulvaney except for the fact that uh, it's a he who lives uh, its life as a she. And so listen to this interchange yesterday. It, now, remember, these are both people that are 30. Well, how old is <laughs> how old is Drew Barrymore? She must be in her 50s, 60s. Uh, she's a grown woman. And then there's uh, and then there's Dylan. He must be 35, 40, maybe, maybe younger. But it doesn't matter. They're adults, but they're talking like children. Listen to this interchange. It's absolutely fascinating. There is so much hatred directed at the trans community right now. It's everywhere. And I think the greatest weapon that I can contribute is trans joy and comedy and talking about hard, you know, subjects. Trans joy? What's trans joy? Okay, so that first statement, there's never been so much hate. Uh, I think this is how she views it. So suddenly society at large is thrust with this brand new development in social evolution, human evolution, the evolution of the trans human being. All of a sudden, more and more people are coming out and saying, I don't identify as a man or I don't identify as a woman. And so there's opposition to that because it's unprecedented. Never before that I'm aware of in human history, there's probably a, a historian out there who can debunk me, 
but never before has has there been this much of a clamor for the actual endorsement of transsexuality, a person having the right to be able to choose their own identity, or in many cases, a parent who is choosing the identity that is not how they were born. So now we are all thrust with this new social condition, and many of us push back against it. And Drew Barrymore says that's hate, that to question someone's affirmation of their own sexual identity is hate because you don't agree with them. Okay, so let's listen to this a little bit more. And really intricate moments of a transition and try to let everybody in to see that, you know, I'm not a monster. I'm not somebody that, you know, um, is trying to, to do anything but be myself. I think having my chosen family and the people that I love to take care of me. But I also think there's something just about uh making sure that you're you don't put something out there before you're ready and and really just surrounding yourself with good people that made no sense she's just word salad all kinds of platitudes don't put yourself out there until you're ready what does that mean why does why do people feel a need to put themselves out there to be something do you think that anybody really cares about you this is something that I learned a long time ago from a very good psychiatrist who had a TV show. Uh, and it used to follow, at least in Los Angeles, right after Saturday Night Live. And it was Dr. David Viscott. And it was the most mind-blowing thing that I'd ever heard. And it completely changed my young uh, post I was about mid, mid-20s. And, uh, and he said, no one cares about you. No one's paying attention to you. They're all just paying attention to themselves. We're a world full of people who are just paying attention to our own selves. And this is where Drew Barrymore gets it wrong and others like her. They think we care about them. They really think that it matters to us so much that we're enraged at the fact that they have sexual identity issues or, or, or whatever they want. We call it gender dysphoria. It used to be a medical term. It's not out of hate. It's a, it's a matter of... <clears throat> Have you ever seen an anorexic woman or an anorexic guy, somebody who's bone flesh thin? I have, and it's not a pretty sight. When that person looks in the mirror, they identify as a fat person or a person of weight, someone who's obese. That's what they see. They don't see reality. Do we affirm them too? Why not? If someone says... I identify as an obese person and I got to lose weight. <clears throat> Who are we to argue with them? But yet, you know, when you on an instinctive level that when you see someone who's doing that to their own bodies, that there's something wrong upstairs that isn't being addressed. We're ignoring the issue. We're just affirming the person's right to suffer from mental illness because they don't like who they are interesting because I look at someone like you and I can't imagine anybody disliking you. Oh, please. Do you know, do you want to know ironically who uh, dislikes me the most sometimes? Who? Myself. Oh, me too. Oh. And, but... See, that's what it's about. That's what it's about to these people. It's their own lack of self-worth and they project it onto other people. It's almost as if they would prefer to have uh, other people dislike them, and then they like themselves more because then they see themselves as as a victim. 
really, uh, as a victim of the fact that everybody now hates them. So we'll, I want to get into a little bit about the whole psychology of the trans movement, both from the perspective of people who are not trans but endorse it and, and people who uh, are trans and how they got there and what were they exposed to that would have made them turn out this way. And I think it's an important psychological, I don't know, profile that we, we have to look into. Because to me, at least, it seems, and I'll make the argument if you'll allow me to. To me, it seems that the we're endorsing mental suffering. I'll be right back. I'm actually sick to my stomach in some ways when I listen to adults having these conversations. And then not not long after that viral went video, or the video went viral, Drew Barrymore talking with Dylan, Dylan Mulvaney, uh, I, I turn and I see that President Biden was on TV talking about how we need to, well, that what we're doing in Florida is sinful because we don't want to let children go for sex change operations at an early age. And I just thought, we'll get to that speech in just a minute. But just to think about the fact that we have a president who, for most of his political career, was anti-gay uh, rights. And all of a sudden, he takes this this position now where he thinks that not allowing young children to have sex change operations because they feel like they might be born in the wrong body and he's saying that people who are opposed to that are sinful. That somehow there's something wrong with people like me who are sitting there going, you're, you're serious? You want to have children making decisions about their body before they're grown up? Why don't you just let them smoke? You, you want to, you know, pass them a beer? Don't stop there. Give them some, some uh, uh, cocaine while you're at it. I mean, if that's how they feel... Anyway, here's a little bit more of Drew and Dylan having their pajama party. That just goes to show that, like, you are continuing on and whatever that those people are projecting onto you, it isn't actually penetrating. I couldn't agree more because another thing that you're making me realize is to not carry on in spite of others. I'm sorry, I just realized that I'm sitting on the floor with Drew. I'm so <laughs> happy. cackling is enough to drive you crazy. The floor. the floor always feels safer. It feels nice. See, they're in their safe space. See, I mean, it's such a strange thing to me. I don't understand it. And I've said this before. I would think just the same if I saw somebody who was severely anorexic. In my opinion, that's... That's something wrong inside when you don't like who you are. Where does that come from? I'll tell you where a lot of it comes from. Right after we listened to Joe Biden on the Comedy Channel having a conversation with Kai Penn about it, it, we went from gay rights to trans rights in one fell swoop. Uh, listen to this interchange. Is beyond disappointed that there hasn't been a wedding yet, but... Uh, but Cardi B is going to marry us, apparently, officiate our wedding, which would which would be nice. But my- That's Kai Penn. He's, he's having an intersex marriage, I think. Anyway, see how they all talk about themselves? They're just so into themselves. They just, 
they can't get over themselves, really. Anyway, here he is, Kai Penn with Joe Biden. My question for you, Mr. President, is you codified uh, support for same-sex marriage and interracial marriages like, like ours. I'm curious what your evolution was like on marriage equality and what the federal government might be able to do to protect LGBTQ Americans, especially trans kids who are... Okay, so they've gone from LGBTQ rights protections, the right to marry and enjoy a monogamous relationship, and then somehow they've attached now, they've pulled it in as part of that LGBTQ. So essentially, it's anything that has to do with sexuality. Anything at all with sexuality is under the umbrella of LGBTQ, except for heterosexuality. It's, it's everything but heterosexuality. And so that's how the trans youth movement became part of the greater LGBTQ movement. It's almost like they took them under their wing. And they did this also with uh, Antifa. Antifa has also taken the trans movement under their wing to protect them, to, to protect them from people who hate them. Because in their minds, it's about everybody having that ideological purity, as I told you before. All right, more of this conversation. Are dealing with all these regressive state laws that are popping up right now. I can remember exactly where my uh, epiphany was. Okay. Hadn't thought much about it, to tell you uh-huh. the truth. And I was, a, I was a senior in high school, and my dad was dropping me off. I remember about to get out of the car, and I looked to my right, and two well-dressed men in suits kissed each other. I mean, they gave each other a kiss. And then one went, looked like he was heading to the DuPont building, and one looked like he headed to the Hercules Corporation building. And I'll never forget, I turned and looked at my dad. He said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. I don't think, I think he's lying. I think he's a bold-faced liar. First of all, if he was that young, that would have put him at, what, say say 10 years old. He's, what, almost 80-something now? So that means he was, that was 70 years ago. So that would have been, uh, deduct 20, so another 50, that would have been 1950. Can you believe that two men in 1950, well-dressed men, would be that unafraid of being seen kissing each other. I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. Unless they, they, they were somewhere where they thought nobody could see them. But if they were there by the curb, I would have to say that's probably a made-up story. And he doesn't remember much, so it, it doesn't surprise me that he would make this up. He's pandering, folks. He's pandering. He's trying to act like he's sympathetic to this very active, very vocal activist organization, LGBTQ. So let's get to the juicy part about trans sexuality and how Florida is committing a major sin. It's simple. No, I'm not joking. It's simple. They love each other. And it's never been, it's, it's, it's never been, it's just that simple. It doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's same sex or a heterosexual couple. They should be able to be married. What is the problem? So listen to your auntie and your uncle. Get married. Do it now. <laughs> and that's what the federal government will do for you. It'll protect you. But he's asking, what's the problem? The problem is, is that we're affirming children who are making lifelong decisions about their own bodies that they're not mature enough to make. If a child goes to a doctor and says, I want to be a boy and it's a girl, that doctor will comply, especially if the federal government says it's illegal not to is where we're headed. But what if the child decides five years in that they've made a mistake? 
And this happens often, more often than you realize. And we hear stories about this all the time. Can they reverse the clock? No, the damage is permanent. That's why we don't allow it to happen to young people. It's being banned. Uh, trans youth surgery, affirmation, the whole ball of wax. It's being banned in other European countries because they're seeing the harm that it's causing young people who are not emotionally or biologically prepared to make such a life-changing decision. But don't tell that to Joe Biden. Don't wait. Uh, transgender kids is a really harder thing. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman. Or I Actually, it is that. They, they do, it, they're responding to peer pressure because they get special treatment, because in a world that despises them for just being who they are and celebrates them for being who they think they want to be, the whole community is in on it. So yes, it is, President Biden, People, young people do wake up and they try to figure out, how can I be special? How can I be better? What can I do to be different? How can I be included? This is what goes on in their little minds. So yes, Biden, they do wake up and they make these lifelong decisions. And we're supposed to be the parents. I mean, what, what, what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is, I don't know, it, it's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're going to be held accountable. Do you hear that? So President Biden and the group that surrounds him would like to create laws that state that you cannot refuse if a young child tells you that they want to change their sex. If they're nine years old, if their mother comes in, they're allowed to do it whether you like it or not. That's strange. That is very, that's, that's another world. That's, that's brave new world. That's what I'm hearing. That's brave new world. I'm telling you, that is not good. That's frightening, actually. Uh, you're listening to Speaking Out, America. I'm JR. We'll continue. Welcome back to Speaking Out America. I am JR, and of course, I encourage you to write, send comments if you have a question about a topic that we've discussed. Our email is easy, speakingoutamerica at gmail.com, speakingoutamerica at gmail.com. We also have our website, our mothership, as I like to call it. It is, uh, of course, speakingoutamerica.com. That's where our podcast, uh, unique articles, uh, also headlines, and live streaming too. And don't forget that the program is heard Monday through Friday live on crntalk.com. My partner's at CRN Talk. It is good to be on board with such a great stellar lineup of truly incredible uh, artists, including some of my favorites, Fred Dreyer, of course, Mike Horn and his What's 
What's up? What's up? What's happening? What's cooking? And, uh, and then, of course, we have uh, Eric Adams, who does a great job with the conversation. Just uh, just a really cool place. Uh, and, and speaking of email, we do have some emails from listeners. I want to kind of go through a couple of them. I have a listener. Uh, the email address, by the way, speakingoutamerica at gmail.com. This one comes from Dawn in Los Angeles. Loved your segment on climate change. Can you recommend any good books? Also, how do you explain the weather in California? Isn't that proof of climate change? Uh, good one. Uh, yes, Guy Mitchell wrote a book. I interviewed him called Global Warming, The Great Deception. He has an engineering background and a scientific background. It is a, a bit scientific, but it also lays out carbon and why it can't possibly be the driver of weather, which is what the whole argument of climate change is based on, is carbon. And Guy does a good job at, at going through and explaining the whole property of heat, how it's transferred our, our earth, and he just lays it all out. It is a great book. Take you two days to read it. And then if you really want to know about climate change, if you're really worried about it and you lose sleep over it or you feel that you feel really like you're not safe and that you're part of that advocacy for fighting climate change, <clears throat> What the book will tell you in a very non-political way is the science behind what they say is causing climate to change. And then Guy takes it a next step and, and actually looks at the data and he breaks it down and what it means. And at the conclusion, you come to the same conclusion that Guy came to and he went in with an open mind. He says, you know, look, if that's what it is, that's what it is. But if it's not carbon, then why are, we, why are we doing everything else? If we're trying to be carbon neutral and caps on carbon and selling carbon and trading carbon credits to countries and institutions, ESG is based on carbon. All of the entire argument, as we discussed yesterday, is based on carbon. But what if carbon is not the driver of weather? And Guy Mitchell does a good job, so I encourage you to get the book. It's called Global Warming, The Great Deception. It's about two years old. Now, as far as the rain in California, what I can say is that we have El Nino, La Nina, and I can tell you, yes, absolutely, the climate is directly responsible for the rain. It's periodic. In 1994, we had a deluge in California where parts of the city I was in on the West Coast were underneath eight feet of water, and we're on the coastline. So it happens. It doesn't happen every year. It's not consistent. Uh, but is it because we're putting more carbon in the air? If that's true, then should it be raining everywhere? Show me the evidence the, the world is raining more, producing more rain showers. Uh, and then show me how we human caused it to rain more. That's all I want to know. Just I'm keeping an open mind. I do know that the Salton Sea, if you look at a map, go to Google Earth or go to Google Map. Look up Salton Sea. That used to be, that is what remains of what was once a very large inland ocean that covered most of Nevada, Idaho, Arizona, in California. And this great ocean, several hundred million years ago, drained into the Pacific by way through what is now the I-10 freeway, which ends at Santa Monica. What made all that weather, uh, uh, what made all that water evaporate? Was that carbon? Or was it something else? Maybe, maybe something that we don't quite understand yet. So there's my answer. All right, here's one from Dan and Billings. 
Dan writes, you saw everything everywhere all at once. What did you think of it? Yeah, we kind of covered that a little bit on Monday when we were talking about the Oscars. My wife and I had to watch it twice. The first time we, we stopped in the middle, it was getting late, and neither one of us really knew what was going on, which I think they made it that way. Uh, we had bits and pieces of what we thought it was about, and we eventually pieced it all together. I thought it was a well-done movie, cinematography, art direction, acting was superb. I think the storyline was probably overly complicated. Uh, I, I think there was a great story in there about families adjusting to the pressures of a new culture. I think that's a great story to tell. But it got buried in the layers of time sequences. And, and there were also some things in the movie that I found objectionable that I, I still, even my wife and I said, I don't know why they put that in there. What was that all about? Uh it, it, you know, there were some parts of it that were so strange. And I said, Jesus, is this what an acid trip looks like? And so that kind of distracted from the, the quality of the story and the acting. So, And it also introduced a, sort of a Buddhist philosophy. It's actually quite nihilistic. The philosophy of the movie, the underlying premise, is that uh, there is no purpose. Life is random. So why get worried about everything if there's no meaning? That, that actually was the f philosophical undertone. And, and a lot of people have adopted that philosophy. It's called secularism. And what they mean to say is that the world is random and nothing has any meaning. And I, I just don't fall for that. That, to me, is not a philosophy that I adopt. I like to believe that my life has meaning and that there's a purpose for every little, little thing. So and I and I wish the movie had carried that message because it could have, but instead it went into the, the the nihilism, the random causation philosophy, which, again, it's very Eastern. It's sort of Zen, the Buddhism of Zen. Everything is one. Anyway, all right. So thanks for writing. If you have a question or comment, of course you can always write us, and of course that address again is the uh, speak out speaking out America at gmail.com. All right, so I found out recently the Black Lives Matter movement talking about the banks. Uh, you know, we had the big bank failure in California. Now Signature Bank in New York is going through the same thing. People are starting to realize that this whole pyramid scheme could, could break at any minute. And I had argued that the reason that those banks probably failed is because they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing which was taking care of their stockholders, people who actually invested in them. They're the ones that got shortchanged because the people within these organizations, these businesses, decided to become activists. And instead of doing what they're hired to do, they were off doing all these social justice causes. For example, Black Lives Matter and related causes received an astonishing $82.9 billion dollars from corporations, according to a new funding database from Claremont Institute. The Claremont Institute Center for the American Way of Life explained the necessity of the report in an article published in Newsweek, where the center asserts that the 2020 BLM movement was about more than just rioting and destruction. The center says that the, quote, the BLM pressure campaigns, harassment, and moral blackmail has also amounted to possibly the most lucrative shakedown of corporate America in its history. As a point of reference, $82.9 billion or more 
That's more than the GDP of 46 African countries, according to this report. The Ford Motor Company profits were $23 billion. Uh, the sum of $82.9 million includes more than $123 million to the BLM parent organizations directly, as well as much more to other organizations supporting BLM's agenda. Uh, the list reveals that several popular corporations from a wide range of different industries supplied the movement with large sums of cash. Walmart gave a whopping $100 million in support of Black Lives Matter, uh, focusing on ra racial equity. Amazon gave even more, supplying the movement with an astonishing $169 million. Silicon Valley Bank gave the movement $73 million. And what did it produce? It produced destruction. It produced rioting. All of these things. United Airlines, JetBlue, Southwest, Delta, all gave money to BLM, Black Lives Matter. The movement uh, received $90 million from Nike. Apple, $100 million. American Express, $50 million. Where did that money go? Bank of America provided $18.2 million to BLM and related causes, while Wells Fargo diverted $210 million towards BLM and related causes. Man, I tell you what, uh, the guy who should be really making a lot of money right now, by the way, BlackRock, $810 million they gave. Now you know where all those bricks came from. Remember, people were always wondering, hey, who brought all those bricks that they use in Ferguson and uh, Madison, Wisconsin and Minneapolis and Portland and Seattle? Who supplied all those bricks? Who's buying all that food? It all came from corporate America, including Walt Disney, gave $8.8 million. Uh, just, uh, this is amazing to me. Corporate sponsorship of Black Lives Matter activism. That's the world we live in today. Uh, it's, did they get their money's worth? I guess we'll never really know, will we? Well, listen, it's been good. It's been fun. And I hope you learned something. And don't forget, we're here for you every hour of the day on speakingoutamerica.com and, of course, on crntalk.com from 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific. Until next time, thank you so much for stopping by.